At 28 overall, if you get this right, man, I'm telling you, man, we are getting lottery tickets. 28 overall. Okay. Let's, let's go corner. Let's go corner. Hey, everybody. Chris Harry with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. There were so many terrific interviews from the NFL Combine that we had to turn it into two episodes. A bit later, Jeff Miller of the LA Times shares his key takeaways from Indy. I'll also be joined by Greg Cassell of NFL Films. He'll discuss the strengths of this 2019 draft and where the Chargers may be looking. But first, a recurring guest and the other star of ESPN's NFL Matchup show, Matt Bowen. All right, one of my favorite guests on Chargers Weekly ever. We've had him on probably four times. A year ago, March 1st, you predicted Derwin James to the L.A. Chargers. And I know you said you got lucky, mm-hmm. but it, it was quite the guess, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I was lucky. Let's put it that way. I was like, but like we were just talking about off-air. You look at scheme fit, you know, always with the rookies, whether you're talking about a first-round pick or a seventh-round pick or an undrafted free agent. First thing is how they're going to fit in your scheme and, and fit in your program. Yep. And how you can coach them in your scheme. Do they have coachable traits? Do they have some traits that are uncoachable, what I mean are special traits? that just pop on the film. And, and, you know, and, and Derwin had all of that. He really did. And he put him in Gus's defense. You saw in terms of projecting what he can do, and you saw it really happen. I mean, he's a young superstar. That's what he is. Did it surprise you, though, that he was going to be first-team All-Pro his rookie year? I, I don't think anyone looks at a rookie, especially in the secondary, and says, well, they're going to come in immediately and just take over. You know, there he, was didn't, times he didn't he took, feel like a rookie. He didn't no, feel like no, a rookie. That's, just that's a great right point. when he entered the building. He, well, he looks like a pro on film in terms of what I mean, a pro, a guy's been in the league five years already, in terms of his ability to identify formations, to identify route concepts, to play multiple spots within that defense, whether he's playing as a strong safety or as a sub-package linebacker, buzzing out to the flat, blitzing off the edge, attacking the run, making plays in the football. I think I want to say the game was, it was earlier in the season, I want to say it was against the Rams. Mm-hmm. We had the red zone interception, and he his back pedal was so smooth. So smooth, the transition, his break was so smooth. So now you're looking at a safety with linebacker size who's pedaling like a corner and breaking on the ball like a corner and finishing on the ball. So, so many unique and special traits to his game that are just rare for the position. We talked about his ability to rush the passer, too. I think right off the bat, after Bosa, Ingram, Derwin may have been the third best pass rusher on the defense. Yeah, he is. And that's something also that you see the growth of the player throughout the season okay and how he starts to develop counter moves how he understands his personnel too Mm -hmm. and so many young players don't understand this yes this game is about more than matchups but it is a lot about matchups and understanding who you're playing against and that comes from film study and knowing what his strengths or weaknesses are and how you can beat him and if he doesn't fix it then you beat him again and you beat him again until they pull him out of the game, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's what you see sometimes with Derwin is how he attacks the opposition in terms of personnel matchups. Well, we'll see who the next Derwin James is at the Combine here. I need you to tell your Combine story. If you didn't listen to the podcast last year, Matt has a very unique, not only a Combine story, but draft story because you have some unique company next to you in that sixth round. Well, in the sixth round, I did. I was a sixth-round pick. Um, I thought I'd go higher, I'll be honest. We all do, right? We all think you're you always sure. every player overvalues themselves. And you should. You should. You should overvalue yourself. Well, I really overvalue myself. <laughs> so I waited all day. I was at my parents' house in suburban Chicago. I came back from Iowa City where I was training uh, with Coach Chris Doyle. I was still the strength coach at Iowa today under Coach Ferentz. And 
I came back and I, you know, the, back then the, it was day one and day two. It was Saturday and Sunday. That's how the draft was. So I, I didn't expect to go on day one. A, a little hope late in third round. Maybe, of course, of course. I thought, okay, I'm going to go in the fourth round somewhere. That's where I'm going to go. You're probably cross-checking teams, saying, I talked to this team. Right. This team has a, a shown seeing, interest. You start seeing what safeties come off the board, sure. where they're going, who ne- what team needs uh, each franchise has. And the fourth round comes and I don't get drafted. The fifth round comes, I don't get drafted. Now it's the sixth round, and my agent, Jack Becta, who's out in La Jolla, California, calls and says, we have, you have to start preparing to be an undrafted free agent. You know, that's part of the process, and we'll start preparing teams where you're fit, and, you know, my heart sank. It sank when mm. I heard that because, you know, you think about it. It's you start, a dream, too. Yeah, you know? start going back to, okay, I played in fourth grade, and see, everyone played in fourth grade because it was 1986 because the Chicago Bears just won the Super Bowl in 85, so everyone wanted to be, I wanted to be Jim McMahon, right? So everyone's out there playing. So I go back in my mind. Okay, I've been playing this game since fourth grade. I'm not good enough, right? I'm not, you know? You start thinking that, and some negative thoughts start to creep into your head. And eventually the phone rang, and it was Mike Martz and the St. Louis Rams. I was picked number 198. And I remember I was upstairs at that point. Like, I, you know, we had my, my aunt and uncle over, some cousins. And, you know, there was a big party downstairs, and, you know, I needed a break. So I was upstairs watching it, uh, TV upstairs. And I got the call before it happened. And then when my name came across the bottom of the screen, you could hear the kitchen below me erupt. It was super cool. <laughs> it's great. So I ran downstairs, you know, you're high-fiving, you're hugging mom. And, and then I look back at the screen and it says 199 Tom Brady. <laughs> I saw this is Tom Brady from Michigan. You know, because I played against Tom yeah, in college. Yeah, good player, good quarterback. Yeah, yeah, really good quarterback in college. Whatever thought, what would happen in terms of his career path, not in that day, but... You know, I'm sitting here doing a podcast with you. Tom Brady still won a Super Bowl ring. Well, he, he won a six ring from the last time we, we spoke here in India. Right. So it, it's it's pretty unbelievable. Do you do you look at the way he's played and been like, how is he still doing this? Well, I, I think the greatest thing about Tom Brady, and he's an example for all young players at any level of the game, whether you're a high school player on Friday night, college player, or a young pro player, is how he's, he's adapted his game to. Mm-hmm. In terms of his body composition, how he, how he trains in the offseason, his nutrition, that all goes into it. And also how he plays in the field. Uh, and how smart of a football player he is. How mentally tough of a football player. How physically tough football player. Now, Tom Brady is not running ISO downhill in the goal line. I understand that. But I was lucky enough in my career to play with Kurt Warner, Brett Favre, Mark Brunel. These, these are ultimate pros. And they're ultimate pros for a reason. Just like Tom Brady. Because of their study habits. Because of their toughness. And how tough they are. That's the intangibles of the position. I think you saw from last year's draft... Baker Mayfield didn't have the measurables that some clubs thought, you know, was the makeup of a pro quarterback. Baker Mayfield has unique intangibles. Phillip Rivers is a prime example. Phillip Rivers, I thought, was an MVP candidate this past year. Late stages of his career, has gone through injuries before, is so tough. And that's what I always look for. If, if I'm a defensive player, especially special teams player, I can't wait to play for Phillip Rivers. I can't wait to compete for Tom Brady. I want to play hard for those guys because of what they do on the field, how they carry themselves in the field. And I'm not in, you know, the Chargers locker room or the film room, the weight room, but I would bet that Phillip Rivers is a leader in every area of that clubhouse. It's a safe bet. Yeah. It's a safe bet. And you get that with quarterbacks, and that's what I brought up with Brady, just the way he plays the game, yeah. the way he plays the game, the way he acts around his teammates. Uh, I mean, well, so know, professional. You know, it's authentic and it's infectious. Right. And, and I think that's so important, especially for the young guys on this roster, to, to look at a guy like Phillip. And I don't know if you remember the playoff game where he ran for a first down 
and he paused. He never does this, mm. but he paused, and then he gave the first down sign. Right, right, right. He did right. on our backstage Chargers show. Yeah. Um, they uh, they highlighted that, and Keenan Allen's going crazy. The the entire bench is going crazy, and that's just one small example of what a guy like Philip Rivers means to a locker room uh, of all ages, really. You know. Yeah, and it's everyone feeds off that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are the emotional leader of football team. Quarterback always is, but the special ones, the Rivers, you know, Drew Brees, yeah. Brady. Uh, it's what they do on the field and how professional they are and how everyone looks at them. And that's the other key part of that. Speaking of uh, Philip and Tom and Drew, when things go south in a football team, where do you think you look first? It's not the head coach. You look at the quarterback. Mm. That's where you always look, especially guys on defense, especially they look at the quarterback. You know, if you're having a rough day on defense, you look at the quarterback, quarterback response, I have to make some more plays. I have to do it. That's my job today. Yeah. And that's what the great ones are. Before we get into this draft and get your thoughts just on the overall landscape of it, uh, just your thoughts on the Chargers season, 2018, on both sides of the ball, uh, Gus's defense, and then that offense led by Rivers. I thought they had a great season. You know, they're a playoff team. That's what they were. They're a playoff team. One of my favorite games of the year to watch live and to study on tape was their win at Kansas City because that goes back to what we are just talking about. Phil Rivers making plays late, the way their defense played, the way those two teams competed in that football game. That was high-level football at its best, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best games you could watch all year. And I'm not saying because of the big plays. I'm saying how they competed against each other. I, I love seeing that stuff. I love the high-level football with the great players and the great teams. I thought they had a phenomenal season, and they got beat by the Super Bowl champs. That's what happened. I mean, yeah. if you come out in the offseason and you say, look, we got beat by the best team in the NFL – we had a good season. But, you know, you're going to ask any pro, they're going to say it's not good enough. No. They're, and believe good. me, that, that locker room was, I think they were stunned mm-hmm. in, in the fashion that it happened. They're, they're still salty, you know, they to should talk be. to some of these guys. I'd be the same and, way. I think, and I think that's a good thing going into this year. Um, let, let's talk about this draft, the, the Chargers draft, number 28 overall. Uh, just your overall thoughts, the, the strengths, the weaknesses. It sounds like defensive line, offensive line kind of carries the show here. Yeah, I think that's one area you would look at as offense and defensive line, but I think you'd also look at the second level linebacker too. Okay. Okay, I think that's an area you could look at. And linebacker's a position that the Chargers, you know, they played with seven DBs in the playoffs, and, and it worked against the Ravens, and a lot of it was out of necessity because mm-hmm. Denzel Perryman got hurt, Jatavis right, Brown got right, hurt, right. Kaiser White, who the Chargers mm-hmm. drafted from West Virginia, uh, won that starting job. He got hurt at the beginning of the year. So they were kind of decimated by injuries, uh, whether it be free agency or the draft. A three-down linebacker could be in a conversation. Yeah, I think so. I, I really think so. And I, I'm not saying that's in the first round. It could be later in the draft, but mm-hmm. I think – a young linebacker who fits the modern pro game. What I mean by that is what you just said, a three-down linebacker. Someone that can play power run game, someone that can play against his own run game, meaning scraping outside off the ball and attacking the edges. Someone that can play in space. you got to be able to do that, especially in Gus's system. Yeah. You know, they're going to get those linebackers with some depth, about 10 to 12 yards, to take away those intermediate throws. But then they're going to give up those throws underneath. You have to be able to click and close in the football and tackle. Uh, Chris, it's one thing we don't talk about enough in this draft process. We're here all week, right? Yeah. When we talk about these prospects, the first thing is the height, weight, and speed, right? I understand all that. It's a huge part of this game. But the fundamentals of this game, considering how football has changed and the limitations you have on contact and practice you know, under, the, under the current CBA and no more two-a-days, there's not as much teaching time. Yeah. So if I'm a coach or a pro scout, when I'm looking at defensive talent, I want to see – some high-level fundamentals and technique as well, some coachable traits sure. that I can work with. 
and guys that tackle and wrap up and finish tackles will be at the top of my list for defensive players because that wins games. Yeah, it does. And like you said, it's you want guys that can get in. I think Darwin's a good example of that it just he was a football player right off the right. bat. Um, of course, you got to develop. I mean, Anthony Lynn was talking today. Someone asked him if Darwin could get better. He's of course he can get better. Yeah, He's yeah. just a rookie. Right. But he came in. Uh, prepared, and mm-hmm. he was a he was a complete football player coming in. Let's talk quarterbacks real quick because it's a okay. little bit different from last year. You know, mm-hmm. we we were talking about Baker and Rosen and Darnold and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Uh, Kyler Murray seems to be the 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 main storyline probably he from is. the combine, and you know Dwayne Haskins is up there. Then a kind of a, a muddled bunch of seniors. Yeah, I would uh, say I Drew Locke and yeah. Daniel Jones Daniel after that. Jones, yeah. I think those are your four first-round quarterbacks. Okay. And I think that's how the board— You think board, four go in the first round? I do. Okay. It's a quarterback position. You know, and no matter— one team to fall in love right, with one of them, yeah, too. Yeah, no matter what we say now— uh, Is it March yet? Is it March or is it late February? Wait, 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 wait. I think it's February 27th. Okay, so— Okay, so— Let's confirm this. 28th. All right, well, late February, right? Yeah. No matter what we say, late February come the end of April, those quarterbacks start to get pushed up the board. Yeah. Positional value. Offensive tackle starts to get pushed up the board. Edge rushers start to get pushed up the board. And that's positional value. That's why Derwin, I won't say Derwin slid, but that's why he was available last year at 17 because of positional value in front of him. Yep. And so that's why I look at even Daniel Jones out of Duke. I think he'll be a first-rounder. I do. But Kyler Murray, you know, the, there was a lot of talk today about his weigh-in and that he was 207, which is a good weight, that he was a little bit over 510. The way I look at it is this. Whether it's 5'10", 5'9", it doesn't matter. He's, he's not a six-foot quarterback, okay? And, and that it, for some teams, when they go into their, to their draft room and their pre, pre-draft meetings, for some teams that won't check the box. Hmm. But for other teams, it will. And I look at it, okay, look at the talent. Look at, again, the coachable traits, the uncoachable traits with Kyler because he is an electric athlete, a playmaker. So you look else. at his film. He was the best player in college football this year. There's no doubt about it. Now, the offense under Lincoln Riley is excellent. And it's not Lincoln Riley's fault that he can scheme open wide receivers. That's his job to do. Oklahoma is win games and win Big 12 championships. But that offense does, when you look at it, does create a lot of open window throws for him. You don't see as many tight window throws with Kyler Murray. You see a lot of opportunities for him. And the question for him is, can he hold up? All right, that's going to be the question because you compare him to Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, is 6'3, 225. Yeah. Drew Locke, 6'3, 230. You know, in that area. Durability is important. You it know, is, it's it is. Availability. We availability about is the most important trait in the NFL. The most important trait. Because, look, everyone can play. I mean, if you get drafted or you're even a UDFA, people think you can play. Mm-hmm. You're a highly talented individual. But opportunity comes from being available. Right, an opportunity comes from being on the field and growing. And the number one thing for quarterbacks, I've always said this, is game reps. Mm. You have to play. You saw with Baker last year. When Baker started playing, what happened? I mean, that his growth went fast. Do you think that Baker, the fact that he went number one overall, and it was the first time we saw kind of an undersized, smaller quarterback mm. go number one overall, and the success that he had, I know he's a. He went to Oklahoma. He's a different player than, than Baker, but there's some similarities. Uh, do you think that helps Kyler Murray? I think it does. Yeah. I, I, I do. I believe that. I mean, I was just talking with someone about T.J. Hawkinson from Iowa, the tight end. A lot of talk about T.J. Hawkinson. Well, George Kittle's success helps that as well. Someone from the same school, played on the same coach, and the same similar styles of play. two Iowa tight ends, right? And no offense. No offense. And no offense going to test. He could be a first-rounder. He could be a first-rounder, especially after this event here when he tests. He's a tremendous athlete. But getting back to uh, you know Kyler and Baker, 
They are different players. They are a little different players. Um, but I think what you looked at, what Freddie Kitchens did in the second half of the season with Cleveland and with Baker, that's smart football and yeah. how he coached him, how he put him in a position to succeed. You know, giving him high-low reads, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, using pass protection, taking advantage of his personnel to create matchups for him. That's coaching. I remember talking about Friday night's high school. That, that, that's coaching. And I would love the opportunity to do that with Kyle. Yeah. I would. And I don't know how high he's going to go, but I, I, I believe Kyle Murray's going to be a top-ten pick. I do. He could be a top-five pick. Yeah, he could. You know, it's... We it's talk, a great discussion because it, he's, a, he's a fascinating player. It, it's a great discussion. Is. and it, 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 He has so many traits that when I turn on the film and watch him, you're, I mean, it's, you said this is a football player. That's what he is. Yeah. For the Chargers, I know a lot. For all these teams, really, free agency kind of dictates how the draft's going to go. Mm -hmm. um, if you were doing like a checklist for the Chargers based on how they performed this year, needs and free agency and then what's in this draft uh, how do you think it kind of plays out what would your priority a b c b uh, for the chargers well i have them written down right here i would have offensive line uh and they don't have a ton of needs offensive line linebacker i think depth in the defensive line depth in the defensive line and i would think wide receiver because tyrell williams is a free agent why? He's a free agent. And you can always look at a quarterback. People have to understand, fans understand. I'm not saying someone to replace We ask this every year. Is yeah. this the year? Yeah. And this has been happening for five years, man. Right. Is this the year that the Chargers draft Phillip Rivers' successor? At 28 overall? I don't know. But No, but it's, this, is the, look, this is the quarterback class. I think it's a deep class. Okay? I'm not saying that it has the top-tier potential that other classes have had up at the top of the draft uh, collectively. But I think it's a pretty deep class. And... It, Ryan Finley from North Carolina State. There's a, there's a prime example. Someone you can get, I think, on day three of the draft. Okay, and that's the type of quarterback. Another I'm NC talking. State guy. Why it not? <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about in terms of quarterback. I'm not talking sure, about sure. someone that's going to come in and challenge and compete with Philip Rivers immediately. You're not looking for that right yeah. now. So you don't need that. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. But wide receiver is interesting to me um, because of Mike Williams and the ascension he had this year. That that's the Mike Williams I watched at Clemson. Oh, yeah. 11 that's, total touchdowns. That's the top 10 pick right there. That's, that's why you drafted him that high because – No doubt. He is, a, he is a matchup player. He can work the middle of the field. He's great in the red area, especially in the tight red zone. We're talking 10-yard line and in. And on third downs. And I've always said about wide receivers, where do they make plays? When do they make plays? Do they make plays in critical game situations in terms of field position and down and distance? That's what he did the second half of the season. And he then did. you see when he's healthy, he's a tremendous talent. Telesco was talking about just the fact that, hey, he didn't get 90, 100 catches, but that's not the way this offense is designed anyway because right, right. you got a guy, Keenan Allen, who's a reception machine. Yes. Melvin Gordon's catching more balls out of the backfield yes. than, he's, than he ever has. Austin Eckler, uh, Tyrell Williams. And then next year, you know, with Hunter Henry coming yeah. back, you kind of see how that goes. But you're right. You know, we'll see what happens with Tyrell Williams and free agency, but, you know, wide receiver could be a possibility. Um, and when I say wide receiver, you're looking for wide receiver three. That's what you're looking exactly, for. exactly. You're looking for someone to compliment because Keenan Allen and Mike Williams complement each other very well. They do. Different styles of receiver. So you're looking for a number three that complements all of them. Mm -hmm. Final thing for you, Matt. Let's just have fun with this because if you get this right, we'll get lottery tickets after uh, this. But it, it just let's just do it. Let's just okay. see what happens because no one's listen. Twenty-eight overall okay, for the Chargers, and we talked about the knees, defensive line, probably linebacker. Maybe corner, you know, you know the fact that 
Casey Hayward is on one side. You got a you got a couple okay. guys on cost control deals, Mike Davis and Trevor Williams. Um, at 28 overall, if you get this right, man, I'm telling you, man, we are getting lottery tickets. 28 overall. It's February 28th. Okay. Let's let's go corner. Let's go corner. Okay. okay. You want to go corner? Oh. No, I don't know. I don't know. 28 this overall. This great. Okay. 28 overall. What about Julian Love from Notre Dame? Okay. The Golden what? Domer. Yeah, what about Julian Love? He's from Chicago. Uh, Nazareth Academy High School. Um, this is why I like Julian Love. Julian Love is a motor mirror corner. That's someone that has got tremendous balance, tremendous footwork. He's not overly physical at the line of scrimmage. He's more of a guy that, that will we use it technique term called shuffle scoot off the line of scrimmage and motor and mirror and stay in front of that guy he's good at the point of attack so i don't know if julian love is a first rounder at this point but we'll see him test this weekend and find out and then his pro day yeah and his pro day as well but you brought up corner so you're in you're in with this okay (laughs) we're 50 50 in this julian love number 28 overall we'll see if it happens matt as always man fantastic stuff can't thank you enough for your time thank you Keeping the NFL matchup show theme. There you go. The great Greg Cosell, NFL Films. Greg, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. It was uh, it was fun chatting with you last year, and we talked about the Chargers. And I was just telling you, you told me you really liked Adrian Phillips. Yeah, I did. And what a year Still he do. had. Still do. <laughs> uh, he was he was so instrumental on special teams, but the the snaps that he played defensively and all pro this right. year. Right. Well, you know, it's funny in the NFL. Obviously, people focus on on in the secondary corners. Uh, but the, the league now is a sub-package league on defense. Mm. Teams either play nickel, they play dime. Some teams, like the Chargers, play seven defensive backs, which we call dollar. And Gus Bradley this year essentially evolved into playing dime, meaning six defensive backs, as his predominant sub-package. Yeah. So I don't know what the percentage was, but that was their predominant sub-package. It was. So Adrian Phillips, who's their dime sort of hybrid safety linebacker, he's that player. And he predominantly plays closer to the line of scrimmage, but he can be played, used in other ways as well. And, you know, I thought he was, I think he's a really good player. And he, he the thing is, is he can play the run. That, yes. That's critical. Yes. Yeah. He, there's a physicality to him. When you saw the Chargers roll out seven DBs against the Ravens, what was your reaction in that wild card game? Well, they wanted more speed because, uh, you know, obviously they were playing Lamar Jackson, who's, I think, at this point in time in that game, was more of a threat as a runner than as a passer. And I think they wanted speed on the field as opposed to bigger, heavier D linemen or even linebackers who, you know, maybe 235 or 240. They wanted speed. When you look at this Chargers team in 2018, before we get dive into the draft, you know, Phillip Rivers, you could argue he was an MVP candidate for a majority of the year. Obviously, Mahomes yep. and Breeze kind of led the pack there. But just your overall thoughts on this team, you know, starting with Rivers. Well, I thought Rivers had a really good year. You know, I think to me, watching the tape all year long, I thought their O-line was not a great pass-protecting O-line. And, and obviously Rivers has to be protected. Yeah. He's that kind of quarterback. Yeah. And he gets um, rid of the football he if, does. if he needs to. Yeah. Right, right. But I think that, again, I don't know how they see their needs going into this draft, but I, you know, I think their O-line needs 
to play better, whether it's with the same guys or whether they feel somebody needs to be replaced. That That's their call. Yeah. But I think overall, they're going to have to be better in pass protection. Yeah, and you mentioned pass protection. Run efficiency, they were pretty good. Right. You know, Melvin well, Gordon, Gordon was 5.1, I believe. Yeah, I think it was 5.0 or 5.1. Yeah, yeah. And then Eckler stepped in. I like that kid. And then, you know, Justin Jackson from Northwestern yep. won them a game. Yep. You know, he, he was really the hero in the second half of that Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh game, game. And he also played well in Kansas City. Yeah, Justin Jackson, I think he was undrafted. Seventh, seventh round. round. Okay. Seventh round. Seventh. And, and the reason for that, because he had phenomenal production in the Big Ten at Northwestern. All-time leading rusher there. Is he's really an inside runner, but he's about 198 pounds. Mm-hmm. And normally in the NFL, inside runners at 198, they're certainly not feature backs. But I think Justin Jackson has good running skill, and I think he can be the kind of back that could spell Gordon, you know, who seems to have a tendency to get injured, maybe Justin Jackson is the guy who plays, you know, three possessions a game to give Gordon a, a, sure. a spell. And I almost feel like Austin Eckler is something different because you can use him in space. You could use right. him as, they, a, as a pass they catching. They detach him yeah. a lot. And, Definitely. You know, and he's good at that. Yeah. yeah. He's really yeah. good at that. Yeah. And he, he showed that in his second yeah. year. Uh, when we were here last year, Derwin James had not worked out yet. But what, what was your thoughts on, on Derwin as a player coming into oh. this draft last year? Oh, I mean, he's a very talented kid. Really talented. Um Obviously, people thought that it was, you know, a bargain that they ended up getting him at 17, that he fell to 17. I think everyone thought it was a steal. Right. He played well this year. He's a guy that can do a lot of different things for you. Um, And the fact that he was deployed in that way tells you that he's a sharp kid. Because when a rookie comes in and is used in multiple positions and asked to do different things and does them, then you know that he's picking things up and has a good feel, not just for his role, but for the concept of the defense. Yeah, you know, the last two years, Greg, just the positional versatility of a guy like Derwin, who yep. probably the third best pass rusher on the team. Between, well, I was going to say he's a very good blitzer. Yeah, behind yeah. Ingram and Bosa. Yeah. But another guy from two years ago, Desmond King, goes in the fifth round and he's at all there, pro this year. He's and a good slot corner. He's, he makes plays. Yeah. When the ball is there, he, yeah. he'll make a play, whether it's on special teams or in the nickel. Well, it's funny because I believe at Iowa he played outside, but he played in the slot, if I'm not mistaken, in their nickel. Yeah, and I, I could be wrong, but I'm trying to remember seeing him in college. But he's a good player, mm. you know, and he's a guy who fell in the draft because he doesn't have the ideal measurables for a corner. You know, he's not fast. He's not that big. Just a player. He's, but he's a good football player. He's a smart, savvy. I loved his interception against Russell Wilson that he returned that for good. a touchdown. That, that almost yeah. sealed it. They, they, yeah. Seahawks made it a little interesting, but yeah. that, was a, that was one of the highlights yeah. of the year. And then also... We, we talked about Justin Jackson being here in that Pittsburgh game. Desmond also had a, a, a punt return for a right, touchdown right, in that game, right. too. So just getting the contributions, I, I've said this multiple times uh, the last few days, but Tom Telesco and company, they've had 14 picks the last two years. They're all on the team. 13 have played in the game. 11 have started the game. And then we're not even including guys like Michael Badgley, who helped solidify the right, kicking right. position, Eckler, Mike Davis. Um, not only have they had success at the top of the first round, they've been able to find some gems mid to late sure. rounds. I mean, look, you can say what you want, and maybe they're looking to improve at corner. But the fact is, Mike, Michael Davis, undrafted out of BYU, ends up, I forget what week he became the starter, maybe it was week 9 or 10. It, it was around that Seattle, was, that yeah, Seattle yeah. game. And he ends up starting opposite Haywood, and, you know, uh, he played, again, I'm not grading him on every play, so I don't want to sit here and say he played well or didn't play well, because I'm being honest with you, I don't know for sure. Of course. But I... He certainly didn't embarrass himself. No. I mean, it wasn't – I didn't watch the tape and go, man, they need a corner. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was he, – I thought he, he did okay. And what's funny, Greg, is the year before that, Trevor Williams was in that role. And I thought he played well and that year. Did, and he yes. did play well. And yes. he's another undrafted guy. Yeah. He got hurt this year. Yeah. But the fact that you can – 
have a guy across, you know, Jason Verick, it's hurt, a, a guy across from Hayward, two undrafted guys, cost control right. deals, it's pretty good. Right. No, they, it, it worked out well for them. I mean, look, people started talking about them being in the Super Bowl. They had a very good year. Obviously, you want to get to the Super Bowl, and they didn't. But they were, they were a good team and a fun team to watch on tape. You know, every year... Tom Telesco gets the question of quarterback, and are right. we going to find Philip Rivers' successor? And this has been going on for four or five seasons. Is this the year they, they do it? I mean, th this class, obviously, a little bit different from last year's class, headlined by Baker and Darnold right. and Rosen, and Allen and Lamar. <laughs> five quarterbacks going to the well, first I think Philip is going to have as many kids as years he plays. I think that's the goal. That's the goal, right? That's the goal. <laughs> um, yeah, again, that's an organizational thing. There was no drop-off in Rivers' game this year. He had a really good year. Um, he's super intelligent, understands the game. Um, in many ways, he's like Peyton Manning in the way he understands the game. Um, I can't sit here and tell you how long he can play at the level he played. No one knows the answer to that. No, but I tell you what, he... he but you don't want to get caught short. That That's the only thing. That, that's that's the, thing. the issue. You don't. Yeah. You don't. And he, you know, knock on wood, he's been so durable, too. Right. He starts since 06, and um, just the, the level that he was playing at, I think... These are really... See, I love Phillip Rivers, and because he hasn't gotten to a Super Bowl, he's probably not going to be seen as a Hall of Famer, but... Still time, Greg. There's still time. Right, still there's got, still time. Still got a couple years, yeah. maybe. But I think he's really a special quarterback yeah get you out of here on this uh just your overall thoughts on this and you know, the chargers selected 28 overall right. so you're kind of at the mercy of a lot of teams yeah exactly of, of taking best player available so you know it could be defensive line it could be corner it could be maybe offensive line just your overall thoughts on where you see the strengths and weaknesses in the draft Ooh, i think the two strengths from what i've seen and heard would be probably be viewed as offensive line and defensive line and Again, we talked about the Chargers and their O-line. I don't know how they see their players. I mean, you know, I think if I think a year or two ago, if you said, hey, the right side of the line is going to be Schofield at right guard and Tevi at right tackle, you'd probably say that's not going to cut it. You know, so I don't know how they see that, those guys. They still have Forrest Lamp, who... who's first healthy offseason right, for him. Right, who was a sec, second-round second pick. Second-round pick. I mean, he was drafted to be a starter. So we'll see if that happens. I think a lot of people thought he was one of the best offensive linemen in that yeah, draft. Yeah, for year, sure. Too. You know, and they have Feeney from Indiana, who I, I liked. Um, I thought he was up and down this year, particularly in pass protection. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of that stuff is coachable. Sure. I don't know who their all-line coach is, but I think his his problems are are coachable as opposed to the he fact that— he, he was the only star, I think, played every single snap this year. Yeah. So it was good. Okay. He'll get better, by the way. It's always a treat, uh, you know, coming here. I feel like we were just here at the Combine, yeah. you know, a couple of months ago. But it's always a treat for you to stop by, talk a little Chargers. Can't thank you enough. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, I have a rookie here. First Combine for Jeff Miller, Los Angeles Times. Jeff and I enjoyed a shrimp cocktail last night. Jeff, how are you, man? Uh, I'm very good, and I'm fully recovered from our uh, our shrimp cocktail experience at, at St. Elmo's. You're anybody, glad I gave you that warning, right? Yeah. The horseradish warning? Anybody who's been there knows what we're talking about. But, uh, <laughs> yes, the horseradish warning was uh, much appreciated. Thank you. How was your time here? What have the first few days been like? Uh, it's been very interesting. I, I was completely uh, caught off guard by a few things, one of which was I was under the impression that we got to watch all these workouts and do all the, watch all this stuff, and it was like we're, here, we're hanging out with the players, and, and there's none of that, as, as you know. I mean, this is a, it's a TV show, and it's, but it's not open to the media to watch the workouts, watch any of these 40-yard uh, uh, dashes or any of this stuff. So that part of it is throwing me off a little bit. Uh, it's... Uh, 
but it's it's quite a NFL convention, as as anybody who's ever been here knows. It's uh, it's a real who's who from uh, from every team, from pretty much every aspect of every team. So the first day, there were a ton of press conferences, general managers, coaches. The Chargers didn't go till day two. Tom Telesco, Anthony Lynn, going back to back. Your takeaways from what the guy said? Well, there wasn't anything real shocking. Not that we thought there'd be, and there hasn't been. You know, most teams haven't really uh, broke any big news since we've been here. Uh, there've been a few things here or there, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think the uh, uh, you know the, the Chargers are in. They're in a good spot. They had you know they just coming off a real good season. They uh, a lot of their key pieces are in place already. They know they know where they're going in a lot of uh, a lot of places. So um, uh, it, it just to me, I think it's uh, it's early on in the whole evaluation process of where this is going to go. And there's a, a million moving parts between now and uh, uh, you know the draft certainly, but even between now and uh, free agency, which isn't that far off. It's there's still a lot of things that could happen. You a lot have of a, a ton of best case scenario plan uh, you, you probably have plans for everything starts a free agency because all, all the guys here that are working out we don't know what the draft is going to look like until the pieces fall in place in free agency and one of the things the Chargers have done a great job at really is kind of taking care of their own guys and, and drafting mm-hmm. and developing their own guys I and mean, we talk about guys who uh, could be getting extensions potentially uh, you know like a guy like Melvin Gordon for instance um, your, your thoughts on just what you've seen the last two years in terms of how the Chargers have drafted and how they've developed the guys that are currently on the roster? Yeah, they're. I think they've done a really good job, and they're, you know, they're sort of edict or the things that they preach is they want to draft their guys, develop them, and re-sign them. And Melvin Gordon is a perfect example of that guy right now who's in that. His his time could be. Uh, this could be his time mm-hmm. to be resigned. So, uh, I think uh, from what Tom Telesco indicated the other day, that I think this is something that they're considering uh, seriously. There's something that he, as he said, if, if we're gonna, if that's gonna be our sort of our, uh, uh, you know, the, that's gonna be the thing we we sort of pin our uh, uh, our franchise around. One of our staples of our franchise is what I'm trying to say is we probably should maybe do that. So I think. They're definitely thinking about it, and I, th- I think they've done a really good job at, at doing that, at developing players and resigning their guys, and I think they're going to try to continue doing that. It allows you to be selective in free agency, too. I mean, when you have that comfortability in the, in the locker room, knowing that these are the guys that, that you drafted for a reason, they fit with, with what you want to do, it does make free agency just a, more of a, a supplemental tool. You know, and I think they did that last year with Mike Pouncey. Uh, he wasn't a guy that was on the radar because he, he got released by the Dolphins. And then, you know, w- when you see those opportunities come about, that's when you got to make a quick decision. It's like, hey, is this in the best interest of our football team? Turns out Mike Pouncey was pretty darn good, especially oh, yeah. helping the run of Pro Bowl. Yeah, he he was a huge difference maker. I think we all saw that as as the season went along even more. And I, I think you're right. They, if you think about it, if you're going to build a team, you, why would you not? If you can build with these pieces that you've had and have been together and stayed together and kind of grow together, I think that's the way you you would want to do it. Of, you know, sometimes teams will throw money at a guy. Do they necessarily fit the locker room, the culture? Yeah. Um, is it the right age? There's, there's a ton of variables. Yeah. And sometimes it's just best to go with what you know. And 
uh, I forget if it was Coach Lynn or Telesco, but they said, you know, some of the core guys on other teams, we like our core guys better. You know, so, yeah. the, so oh, yeah. I, I think that's going to be important. And that's going to be something you see over the next couple of weeks is trying to take care of their own. Yeah, and I, you know, there's, uh, I've covered a lot of baseball in my past, and and there's a problem I think in baseball sometimes where you fall in love with your own draft picks, mm-hmm. and they do that a lot in baseball. And but the difference in baseball is just some of these are really young players when you take them, and they may not develop into anything. Where in the NFL these guys are a little more advanced when you get them, so there's a there seems to be a little more of a uh, certainty you bring of what, up you're, a good, what you're getting. You know so. what, though? You bring up a good point on the other side of the coin. Sometimes it, it may be tough to cut bait on a guy that you drafted and you have confidence in, but you haven't necessarily seen it on the field. I think fortunately for this version of the Chargers over the last two years, uh, all the picks that, that Tom Telesco has made, they're, they're all still on the roster, and a lot of them have made contributions. So it, it, it's not like you're waiting on – uh, a guy or two to like really pop because they haven't shown anything. It's just, listen, there, there's been a lot of guys, uh, especially like a guy like Desmond King or an Isaac Rochelle who held on the fort, mm-hmm. yeah. Justin Jackson who helped win a, a game, a yeah. couple, couple games, frankly, in December. Yeah. So some of these mid to late round picks have really popped. Yeah, I, I think they've, uh, I think they've done a really good job. It'd be hard to be real critical of their, of their draft. And you, you didn't mention Forrest Lamp, who's a guy who they still are real high on, and who knows maybe this time next year we could be sitting here talking about the great development, the great season he had. Just just you like know. last year we were talking about Mike Williams and the need to have a healthy offseason yeah. and come out and he had 11 total touchdowns. So it's entirely possible. And he's a guy, I mean, Mike Williams is a guy who I think he has a chance to be get a lot better and he could still develop into a lot more than what we've seen. And that's a guy who, uh, it, when you're looking at uh, the, you know, Tom Telesco's draft record, hasn't done a ton yet, but he could he could end up being one of the best guys he's taken among a, a bunch of really good guys. So uh, I, I think the Chargers have done a really good job of that, and I think they, uh, um, it, you know, they're obviously going to try to continue to do that, and I think that's what they would love to be able to continue to do and not have to rely on. Um, as you said, kind of maybe reaching for a, a veteran guy who you have to give a bunch of money to, or it costs uh, you know cost a bunch in some sort of trade or something, and and you're trying to piece this thing together uh, uh, that way. I think they'd rather build that foundation and then add to it supplementary, like you mentioned with the Pouncey uh, deal, and just I mean, I, I'm sure they would much rather do that, and that's a, a you know a. a it's certainly, I'm sure, a more satisfying way to do it when you're watching this team that you built, literally pick these guys oh, yeah. and built right from the ground up. It's, it's got to be very satisfying. Of the guys who are free agents, who do you think is the most important guy that they got to bring back? I mean, there's a lot of guys on defense. We talk about Perryman, Adrian Phillips, some of the guys on the line, Phylon. And then offense, you know, Tyrell Williams, obviously, uh, is a big part of what they do offensively. Who, in your estimation, do you think is, is, has to come back here? Uh, I think just in kind of guessing here, because um, uh, we're all guessing, right? I mean, we don't, listen, this is a complete <laughs> guessing game. <laughs> and, and you know what? This entire process is speculation and trying to read the tea leaves and oh, yeah. trying to figure out what people are saying on the podium and what you're hearing. You yes. know, it's it's a complete guessing game. It really is. Uh, I I think that um, I look at those two guys on defense. You mentioned Denzel Perryman and uh, Adrian Phillips. Those guys are both very very big pieces of this defense last year um i asked uh, anthony uh yesterday about uh about both of them 
and you know, you know he he used the the phrase you know core player core guy yeah. well my core guy for for Phillips several times in our little conversation it wasn't even a very long conversation and he, he rightfully pointed out he said you know he said when when Denzel's in there we're better it's just there's no denying it I mean this, well you saw it when, you know, when, when he went down yeah you know, when, when you lose a linebacker of that caliber who is a, is a punishing hitter punishing tackler it's uh it's hard and then you you know Kaiser White is another guy who we talk about from a draft perspective. He earned that starting role. He went yeah. down. Uh, so you do want to be able to further bolster that, that linebacking room, and uh, Denzel could be the guy to get it done. Yeah, I, I mean, I think those are probably the two guys that stand out to me. Um, uh, Tyrell is a, a tremendous receiver, and it's going to be proven, I think, when somebody gives him a lot more money than the Chargers probably are going to be able to or willing to. Um, and he'll have a chance to go. I, I suspect he'll have a chance to go somewhere and prove that he uh, is the number one receiver that he, he thinks he can be. And uh, I think the Chargers will. But what, what do you do in that situation? You wish, wish the guy well. I mean, he's been a great story for this team, and they, they would love to have him. He's a class act, too. And, and he is. He is. I think, uh, he's, I think his teammates like him. I think he's very popular in that room. Um, but you can't pay everybody, and you can't keep all your, all your guys. And he's just he's performed at a level where I think he, he's, he's going to be too too costly to them and too valuable to somebody else. That uh, so the Chargers are probably going to probably lose him. But uh, yeah, I, I would think those two guys on defense, both of them provide that grit that element of grit that they talk so much about and what oh, yeah. they what Anthony's provided and uh, so I, I I think those are probably the two guys that uh, they they probably most would like to to, to get uh, to bring back for sure you know Jeff in a league with so much turnover and just just looking around this place all these new head coaches and just new faces and uh, player movement the Chargers the continuity remains in the coaching staff when you talk about the coordinators and obviously Coach Lynn is third year, um, obviously personnel changes and it's going to change every year. The complexion of the offense, for instance, uh, with Hunter coming back and maybe people departing or, or um, getting some, some other additions, it's going to look a little bit different. But largely in the scope of the NFL now, you look at it, I mean, the continuity cannot be understated. Yeah, it, it's it's really important, and if you uh, if, if you're successful like the Chargers were this past season, they certainly want to keep this going, and I, I think they're very high on the direction they're going. The uh, despite the way the game against New England went, and as disappointing as that was for for them, and and still remains disappointing. I know they're it's still something that they're they're struggling to kind of it's get probably going to fuel them for a while yeah you know? it, it all should. through the offseason going it's, into week one yeah and it should it was that was not a good showing we all know that it was it was they were shell-shocked and uh but i think they are really uh excited about the direction and i think they're really excited about what they saw and the potential that's there and they the, the thing that this team has that a lot of teams don't have is they have playmakers they have playmakers on both sides of the ball and uh there's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball on this team and i i think given that given the way that uh uh anthony has installed things and they've bought into his philosophy and um all all that uh all that he has brought the stability that he has brought to the to the coaching staff to the locker room itself i think the chargers are in a really good spot and they just need to kind of keep kind of reload retool a little oh, yeah. bit and just keep this thing rolling everybody tweaks a little bit but when 
you have back-to-back winning seasons with the same head coach. You win a playoff game. You don't have to tweak too much, right? They should, yeah, they shouldn't. And they, you know, we know they've got a quarterback who's going to be there for at least a couple more years that we know of, uh, or we think we know of. <laughs> so that, you know, they don't have to worry about that position. And, you know, if, if Melvin Gordon can come back healthy, stay healthy, uh, he's a he's a top running back. So they've got, you know, you know, the, we know about the receivers. So these these positions that where you need guys, they've got guys, mm-hmm. and they, uh, you know, that offensive line. You figure it's 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 going to get better if anything. But then more they're they're together, and if if Lamp can get himself in, involved in that more, and he That's can become the, big the player, thing, you, that know, he, you know, it's just like last year with Mike Williams. You know, the, the need for a healthy offseason. Now Forest Lamp has a healthy offseason, so if you can continue to get these guys that have been in the program fully healthy and ready to go make an impact, it's just like adding a a new player to your team. It it is. And, you know, in the case of Forrest, this is a high draft pick. He was very highly touted coming out. If he can come back and and become what what everyone thought he had the chance to become and what the Chargers certainly thought he had a chance to become and I, what I know he thinks he can become yeah. that it is like a, it's like a bonus it's huge bonus high pick that they've got this year cuz he we haven't seen much of him just because of his health and it is like a uh, I mean that's that's could end up being a huge a huge addition another interesting name to watch is Jason Verrett and we'll see what happens with him this offseason but Again, this was a guy that was drafted by Tom Telesco, made a Pro Bowl, had some tough luck with injuries over the last few years. We'll see if he comes back. You're coming back next year. I know this this won't be your first rodeo in 2020, at, Jeff. At this moment, I am coming back, so hopefully uh, hopefully that doesn't change. And if it does change, it will not be by my, my decision, believe me. <laughs> no. Jeff Miller, 2020 Indy. We love it, man. Thanks so much. All right. And that's going to do it. My thanks to Jeff Miller, Greg Cassell, and Matt Bowen for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Don't forget, if you like what you hear this offseason, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. We'll be back next week with a free agency episode at the start of the league's new year. Have a great weekend, and until then, I'm Chris Hayry.